good morning, everyone. Uh, uh, we welcome you to the call with uh, Experian uh, uh, this morning. Uh, with us, we have uh, Ashish from Experian to answer your questions. Ashish leads Experian's credit services in India, and he is also responsible for building and establishing relationships with key stakeholders and regulatory bodies in the country. Prior to Experience, Ashish has worked extensively across the retail asset and liability value chain at large banks in India, ICICI and Standard Chartered. His career has spanned more than two de decades of uh, retail banking, so he brings in valuable experience uh, to share with us into this, in, in, into this call. Experience is one of the largest, uh, uh, one of the leading data analytics and decisioning companies uh, in India and globally, and it's one of the initial credit bureaus to enter India. Uh, it also helps organizations and consumers manage the risk of commercial and financial decisions by providing data analytics and technology solutions. Uh, with that introduction, uh, we'd like to kick off you know, uh, uh, the questions this morning with Mr. Ashish. But before we get into specifics, uh, we'd just like to dimension you know, uh, the kind of uh, credit rating data, database uh, that experience is bringing to the table today. Uh, so, you know, just to set the context, uh, uh, you know, uh, we know from RBI data that retail credit penetration is one of the lowest in India. It's at roughly 17% of GDP, uh, of which 12% is uh, provided by a banking system. Uh, we wanted Ashish to just sort of give us a sense of how many active retail credit borrowers uh, does that rep uh, represent in terms of how many they rate. Uh, the split of rural versus urban of these uh, uh, borrowers, uh, how many average products for clients they take, uh, uh, and you know other uh, uh, splits like you know uh, uh, risk segments, etc., that these clients will, uh, fall into. So with that, Ashish, could you just uh, uh, you know give some context around the retail borrower uh, uh, as you see it from your perspective? Sure. Um, uh, thanks, Mukul, and welcome uh, to all of you in this session. I will want to start with a disclaimer, given that I'm in the forum of an equity analyst. Uh, the data and interpretation being provided uh, here, and which we will discuss in this call, has been done through our data analytics uh, team. Uh, and uh, let me call out that it's not easy to predict the outcome and impact of uh, such black zone events like COVID. And the discussions today are purely from academic uh, perspective and knowledge sharing perspective. Uh, in your parlance, equity investments are subject to market risk, and hence uh, do your own due diligence before investing. Experience does not do any stock or lender-specific analysis. We, we, we only uh, deal uh, with, with the industry-level uh, analysis. So, so uh, uh, with that, Mukul, um, uh, let me just give you uh, guys a landscape of the Indian uh, credit uh, industry. If you were to look at the overall population of India, it's about 1.3 billion. Of these, about 60% is above the age group of 18. And of the total, so which leads us to about the adult population being around 800 million, the total bureau population is about 400 million with about 1 billion trade lines for individuals. So which effectively means that A, roughly about 50% of the adult Indians have ever taken a loan. And the average loan per individual is close to about 2.5. Uh, this is from an overall uh, uh, ever taken a loan. If you were to look at active loans, then this number stands at about 180 million. 
which means that the formal bureau reported credit penetration in india is about 22% of the adult population which is act, um, active they are running the loan currently now uh, in terms of the overall book size and couple of other cuts which will help uh, in the overall discussion the total retail lending book is about 40 trillion indian rupees as on december 19 it is growing at about 16% year on year uh, within the asset classes home loan and lab contribute to about 61% and the unsecured in the credit card uh, book is about 17% but that's the book which is growing at about 35 to 40% there the other important distribution would be in terms of where are the, uh, from a geographical distribution perspective now if we were to look at the distribution in terms of the tier wise classification about 50% of the book is in tier 1 and tier 2 and the balance 50% is in tier 3 and 4 in terms of the number of borrowers but in terms of the amount tier 1 and 2 would be about 54% given the higher ticket size right uh, in terms of uh, however when we look at the current sourcing trends over the last couple of years what we have seen is that uh, we are seeing increasing distribution in tier 3 and tier 4 cities largely driven by two things one the nbfc sourcing and they are concentrating more on tier 3 tier 4 because they have to go deep and the second piece is also new sourcing of two wheelers etc from tier 3 tier 4 is about 70% so while on the portfolio basis tier 1 tier 2 is equally uh, big as compared to tier 3 tier 4 but increasingly the number of customers who are coming on board from tier 3 and tier 4 is uh, increasing another distinction which i will want to uh, bring to your notice would be in terms of the experian credit score distribution of consumers now if you were to look at this entire population about 56% of these customers have a experian credit score of less than 750 about 28% lie between 750 and 800 while there is about 16% of the population which has a credit experian credit score greater than 800 so those are the various uh, which we need to keep in mind uh, while we are getting into this discussion further great uh, thanks ashish so uh, you know we just wanted to also now get a sense of how the rating profile of the customers has changed um, you know we know we have roughly 5 5 years of data with you i mean so how has moved uh, uh, you know recently as well and versus uh, slightly longer term if you can uh, you can give a sense the second uh, cut i guess uh, would be that you've already mentioned is you know that it's moving higher towards uh, towards a higher share of nbfcs if you can dimension some of that the numbers as well that'll be useful for our listeners so mukul uh, what you've seen over the years uh, is that the re- uh, retail credit penetration in india is increasing 
and in fact this is also coupled with reduction in the household savings in india which is drastically coming down over the years as a result we see lot of customers borrowing more now as compared to what they were doing in the past and this is also reflected in the fact that retail lending industry is growing at about 20% year on year what has important fa- factors to be kept in mind while considering this is a in terms of uh, data availability there is there is lot more digital data which indians are uh, generating as compared to what we were doing in the past the jam uh, trinity is the other uh, piece which is uh, leading this uh, revolution and the other is lot of nbfcs have come into this space who are willing to develop new models and question the conventional underwriting model and hence expanding the market into the deeper uh, set of customers from a consumer perspective we have certainly shift uh, seen a shift in sourcing towards the lower experience score bands now if you were to look at nbfc's portfolio we have seen a shift towards higher risk consumers or which is the lower end of the score band consumers and the population just in last one year has shifted from about 50% who were in lower score band to about 52% in lower score band the lower score band means less than 750 experience score band right yeah on the nbfc side on the psu and private sector uh, banks one sees that they have tightened their policies especially over the last one year uh, and hence we see a shift towards higher score band customers for uh, private sector bank and uh, psus the other interesting data point when we were looking at it was in terms of the product movement product wise we have seen a shift towards the lower score band of customers across consumer durables credit cards and pl personal loans in all these three products in the last one year we have seen migration of customers towards lower score band which essentially means that lot of lenders especially nbfc are taking higher risk on these uh, customers as compared to what they were doing in the past so uh, so that's really how it is uh, stacking up if you were to look at the share of nbfc uh, in the overall uh, distribution piece nbfc's account for about 35% of the total lending which was about 33% a year back and the large gains which they have had is partly from private sector bank which was used to be about 25.5 and as they they have seen a dip of uh, 1 percentage uh, point uh, uh, there so hence nbfcs are taking share from private sector banks uh, as well in some form or the other uh, but this could be a because of the nbfcs themselves lending to the riskier segments b private sectors uh tightening of their credit policy got it got it. thanks uh, ashish so moving on to the next uh, you know uh, next point very sort of try to dimension how much how much you know risk is building up depending upon late payments etc and we've been working with you over the past few quarters so we have some sense of what you've been seeing in the past uh, you know and just to reiterate the the past trends were that while delinquency itself which is 90 plus day, uh, day past due 
that itself is not showing any change there is some you know sign of early stress as you can call it uh, displayed by 30 plus or 30 day uh, past due in certain products like uh, home loans and and more importantly in lap uh, labs and this this trend uh, up till december at least was pronounced uh, more in public sector banks but then when it comes to actual making the payment on 90 plus dpd uh, they normalize now that is that was still december right uh, but you know have you sort of seen any change or early stress building up product wise or institutional segment wise uh, as as uh, we have now progressed into april and and through like a month of a lockdown more than a month of a lockdown Uh, so you're absolutely right, Mukul. Um, uh, what we've seen over the last two, three years is that slowly but surely the delinquencies were inching up. More, uh, especially when you look at 30 plus. However, due to the collection efforts of the banks, they were able to bring it down and control it at uh, when it came to 90 DPD. But mind you, all this was uh, pre-COVID. March onwards, the picture can actually be very, very different. and um, uh, uh, you know the if you were to look at some of the leading indicators uh, covid has obviously uh, led to increase in unemployment rate which stands at about 27% uh, for the week ended 3rd of may uh, as per cmi data there are more job losses and uh, pay cuts anticipated as we go out of lockdown or as the agony prolongs over a period of time we will incre- we have seen increase in leverage of consumers customers with lower income bands are normally the ones with lower discretionary spend and hence with a event like covid they are the ones who will tend to get impacted the lot more as a result the delinquencies will be far higher uh, in those uh, in that segment also if i were to look at a simple example of personal loans because that's a large component of the um, uh, growth where you know, which came in over the last one year or two three years actually we have seen an increase in 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 loan stacking you know uh, 43% of the pl sourced in 2018 is a second pl within 6 months of taking the first loan and this percentage was hovering about 30% in 2017 and 28% in 2016 so while we were seeing a 2% every year increase in this percentage in 2018 we saw this percentage increase by 13% absolute terms also interesting piece is what portion of the banks lending is to personal loan top up or business loan top up because business loans are also unsecured uh, in uh, nature when uh, when we say the, uh, business loan in 2018 again 19% of the overall sourcing was done through top up and personal uh, on personal and business loan while the same percentage for 2017 was only 9% and 8% in 2016 so which means is the leverage in the system going up the leverage in the system is uh, has been going up for last two years interesting data point to this is how does the delinquency compare uh, compare between the first personal loan and the second personal loan so what we have seen from our uh, data there is a substantial difference 
in the underlying risk is first this is second uh, personal loan is the second product for a category of customers the risk is 1.8 times higher than if personal loan was the first product which means not only is the percentage loan stacking going up the risk which the lenders are taking by increasing the stacking also gives you higher bad risk so both sides it is uh, impacting and mind you these were still this entire analysis which we are talking about is pre covid post covid as i mentioned if job losses happen salary cuts uh, happen in a large way as is anticipated we will see some uh, worsening of the portfolio god god uh you know just to sort of uh, briefly uh, uh move to actual uh, uh, historical probability of default that you've seen in accounts that are delayed and uh, you know and this becomes more of a judgment question which you partly already answered so you can quickly sort of give me a sense and we can move on uh, that if the probability of these defaults will change uh, going forward and this is more judgment i know but just just looking at the data what do you think so uh so what we have done is specifically keeping in mind uh, what we are going through in uh, covid and the uh, my sense is the best uh, way to handle uh, these situations and identify is if there is a similar event which has happened in the past right and what we have done um, at experience to understand the impact of uh, covid and i will request the participants to refer to uh slide number 9 uh of the deck 8 onwards actually uh, so we've looked at uh, at experian we track uh, a lot of macroeconomic uh, parameters more than 500 macroeconomic variables we track and we have tried to identify the impact of those on the home loan uh, portfolio and some of the components uh, and the results are actually fairly striking so if you were to look at the home loan portfolio the current baseline for about 25 months pd is about 2.14 and assuming there is the same shift in economic parameters as we observed in 2009 our estimate is that this pd will increase to 3.73 what we are saying is that if the impact is same as the one we observed in 2009 forward looking scenario has a stress factor of 175% which means 75% increase in delinquency for a home loan kind of a product now if the and we've also done the simulation uh, there which is given in slide 10 or 9 uh, if the impact was to be 10% more than what we saw in 2008 then what we are looking at the probability of default jumping 190% to 4.05% so that that's the kind of risk which we guys are carrying in the portfolio as an industry and mind you this is home loan portfolio and we wanted to see the worst case scenario and hence we have done a study uh, or the best case scenario and hence we have done the study on home loan portfolio and typically in the pegging order of repayment from a consumer perspective in india the first if if the customers have only a limited amount of repayment it always goes towards home loan because that's a emotional asset for consumers 
then comes auto loan then comes personal loan and the least on the hierarchy is uh, credit card or consumer durable so if you were to look at those portfolios this risk could be even uh, higher or the stress could be even uh, higher that's uh, one piece which we have studied the impact on the existing portfolio now let's look at it how these macroeconomic factors will influence the new sourcing or what are the adjustment the lenders will need to make in new sourcing we have done that analysis uh, as well and uh, participants can uh, refer to slide number 10 in the deck what we have seen here we have done the distribution of acquisition scores and uh, correlated that with delinquency again what we saw in 2009 as per macroeconomic factor and how we see going forward uh, in uh, covid on the various simulations what the important piece is the drop in or the increase in delinquencies which we are seeing is far higher towards the lower three deciles uh, of the population and as we move up the uh, score band the differential is not as much just this also validates the point which i was making earlier that people on the lower income side or the lower score band are obviously um, uh, more susceptible to changes uh, of job losses uh, etc as compared to those on the higher side and hence we are seeing the deterioration in the portfolio uh, will be lesser uh, on higher risk uh, uh, high score band customers now the important piece of this analysis is that given this it is important for lenders and cro's to adjust their approval rates so if you were to refer to the next slide here we have tried to see just if the lenders were to maintain the same bad rate what will be the impact on the approval rate so if we were to assume that the situation would be as bad as fi um, um, as uh, 2009 then the approval rate for a home loan product rather which was 70% needs to now come down to 61% which means they need to tighten their uh, policies and uh, uh, reduce the number of customers to whom they are giving the loans if the population distribution remains the same now assume that the impact is 10% higher than uh, what it was in uh, 2009 then that approval rate which was normally 70% for a home loan portfolio needs at an industry level needs to come down to 50% so in a nutshell the impact of an event like this has a fairly large impact not only on the current portfolio but on the new acquisition uh, as well and both these needs to be adjusted uh uh you know the next next analysis which also uh, you know references the deck is on the red uh, orange and green zones uh, that have come up and you know how econo- the the economic activity in these zones have been impacted differently uh, experience also also done some research on that to analyze you know uh, the 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 amount, the portfolio distribution in these three categories uh, i would request ashish to uh, you know share brief conclusions with plans on that as well yeah uh, okay, 
So I will request you guys to refer to slide number six and seven in the deck. What we have looked at is the overall portfolio distribution across zones. The idea was to help lenders prioritize their actions and know how their portfolio will behave. As we discussed earlier, collection is a key component in addressing the loan defaults. And that's why when it comes to 90 plus, we are not seeing as much uh, uh, spike as we were seeing in 30 plus over the last uh, two, three years. Now, given the restrictions of movement in the red and amber zone, this analysis helps the lenders to prioritize resource allocation within green zone. Also, because the movements, is, uh, movements are allowed there. Also, within the red zone, it helps them prioritize high risk customers as compared to some of the others. So that overall stability of the portfolio is maintained. Now, if you were to look at the size, portfolio size in the red zone, 56% of the unsecured book and 63% of the secured book is in the high COVID density areas. If you were to look at in terms of the number of customers, it stands at 59% for unsecured loans and 50% for secured loans in high density areas. So essentially we are saying that depending on how long this period remains, how long, long the lockdown remains, this at least 56% of the portfolio of unsecured books and 63 of secured loans, which can probably have an impact as far as delinquencies are concerned, given the fact that the collectors won't be able to go and collect money there. Got it. Uh, thanks, Ashish. Ashish, now we'll move on to, uh, you know, uh, uh, the question of moratorium, which is actually sort of uh, front and center uh, of every investor's mind. Um, you know, if you've done any analysis on the first first question, I mean, and this came from, you know, one of our clients uh, just now, and I'll, I may just add that before I ask the question because it's relevant. How much of information uh, from uh, uh, on moratoriums is being shared with you by uh, uh, by 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 the financial institutions right now. Is it like uniform? All of it is getting shared, or are you getting piecemeal? And the second thing is, uh, from the data set you are actually receiving, uh, can you make any conclusion on the riskiness of the people availing for uh, a moratorium? Uh, because that'll give investors a sense of uh, how the default uh, probabilities will move uh, once the moratorium is lifted. You know, uh, Mukul, as per the guideline, RBI had left on to each bank through their board approved policy to decide how they want to uh, give the moratorium. Some banks went in for opt-in, while some others went in for opt-out. There were few others who went both opt-in, opt-out and differentiated it through the product category. Now the bureau data is always uh, a lagged uh, data, and hence at this point in time, we we, not, we don't have enough data to conclude uh, on the impact of moratorium. But what we hear from our interaction with lenders is that uh, about 30% of the customers have availed moratorium. And the interesting piece, what we are hearing is that moratorium has not only been taken by lower score band or high risk they are seeing even relatively low risk customers opting for moratorium and this could be due to their perception of tough days ahead 
and hence wanting to conserve uh, cash on our part we actually launched a moratorium calculator to help the customers study the cash flow impact uh, before they opt for or opt against the moratorium my in terms of the impact of moratorium on the delinquencies we'll need to more time to study that however the lenders will need to adjust their policies to ensure that they are factoring in the impact of moratorium on the customers particularly when they initiate their new sourcing so uh, ashish i didn't get that part where you said uh, are they sharing the information right now i know it's voluntary but how much how much of that information is getting shared with you so the the, the piece is that the lenders um, uh, are sharing that information but just that the bureau data is 45 days to 60 days lag and lenders have had to made some changes in their system to accommodate these additional flags so um, uh, we really don't have a data based uh, comment on this at this point in time got it got it. and and secondly you know this is also an in- interesting question that just came up uh, from a client and i'll ask it up front because other people may be thinking the same thing uh, uh, how does it impact is, is i know rbi has already given some guidance on this but does this in your model change anything about how you rate those customers let me answer this into two parts one is let, let's assume two situations uh, two customers a and b customer a continues to pay his loan emi as per the normal schedule and he is not opted for a moratorium customer b has opted for a moratorium but given the fact that the their dpds or days past due and they will be uh, the re- repayments not being made during the covid uh, moratorium period will not be treated as default critically the impact of movement on the score would be the same so at the end if the two customers a and b had x score at the start of the let's say on 1st of march 2020 on 30th of june the both of them will show the same score however clearly from a lender's perspective the going up of the score for customer b is artificial as compared to customer a and hence the lender will need to start baking this while they are taking the decision this does not mean mind you this does not mean that the customer b is high risk or low risk because at this point in time when they have taken a um, uh, for what we discussed earlier both sets of customers have gone and uh, taken a moratorium so will it mean going forward we need to adjust our scores to account for customers who have defaulted uh, post taking a moratorium versus those who have not defaulted uh post taking a moratorium yes we will need to uh, change our model but that to my mind is, is something which will happen over the next uh, couple of quarters um so you know uh, just just one last point on this and then we move on uh, so you know you did mention a little bit of this that you know moratorium people they're pretty uniform not much there's not much differentiation uh can you sort of make out at least the reason why people are sort of availing of the moratorium is it you know uh, mainly from conversations you said it 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 uh, some people are doing it just for shifting cash flows uh, but how many of that is uh, uh, falling in which bucket do you have any idea not at this point in um, uh, time we don't have a data on by, which bifurcate Good customers who availed moratorium, not availed moratorium versus high risk customers. And My finally, you know, over the next couple of uh, weeks, we should have that. And uh, we can probably share with our clients as as we're in touch with you. Um, so just to wrap up, uh, you know, uh, 
you know, and this again comes to your judgment, and, and you know, I like to hear what you say, given that you're so close to the data. Uh, you know, how bad does the asset uh, uh, cycle get relative to current levels of delinquency? And you've given, uh, uh, you know, uh, we know the numbers, they range from 1% to 2% between different products. But how bad do you think it gets, just just uh, from your judgment and, and what you've seen in the past? That's a really tough question uh, to answer, um, uh, Mukul. My sense is that the situation is still evolving. Hence, I won't hazard a guess at this point in time. Clearly, the... Uh, from what we have seen in the past and we discussed uh, earlier in terms of uh, 2008 crisis, uh, if there is 10% uh, higher impact on the macroeconomic factors as compared to 2008, then we are looking at, at for a home loan portfolio, a stress going up by about 90% uh, there. Uh, and however, the, clearly the situation warrants a close watch and we are suggesting to the lenders that they monitor and adjust their actions. There's need for them to go beyond the baselines and implement advanced practices to mitigate the portfolio uh, risk which uh, will arise now. So clearly the focus for uh, lenders to restrict the in bad impact of this uh, situation would be to actively do customer management collection and move towards greater digital uh, sourcing as we uh, go along. Actually, uh, in my mind, COVID is to digital lending what uh, demonetization uh, did to digital payments. The first large cycle of adoption happened uh, for the payment, uh, digital payment space after demonetization. And the same impact COVID can have on the digital lending or overall banking actually. So I quickly asked Karthik uh, to provide some context uh, uh, to the banks, uh, to the banking space that he covers. Subsequently, Nidesh can talk about the NBA. Um, thanks, Mukul. Just a couple of uh, uh, comments from my end, uh, where I'd like to highlight a few data points which were not sort of covered in the earlier comments. Uh, the first is uh, uh, the, the relevance of how the uh, probability of default increased uh, towards the lower decile has been a material 3x uh, jump compared to just a 20-30 bips increase for the top uh, 7 to 8 deciles. And that actually uh, plays into the hands of the larger private banks. But to counter that, uh, nearly 70% of the uh, private bank, both secured and unsecured portfolios, are in the red zone, whilst only a, a mere 8 to 9 is currently in the green zone. Uh, which is possibly going to be a near-term risk in terms of numbers that are going to come up. So uh, that's the uh, two additional data points which I'd like uh, our, our audience in mind. Thanks. Uh, so, uh, Nidesh, any, any comments as far as NBFCs are concerned? Nidesh is our NBFC analyst and Kartik is our banking analyst, just to sort of give people some context. Uh, thanks, Mupan. Uh, so from NBFC's perspective, clearly uh, two key trends which are coming out from the presentation. One is... Uh, they have been uh, uh, lending to a riskier segment and the proportion of uh, riskier customer has been steadily increasing over last uh, couple of years uh, which could clearly mean that their credit cost outcomes can be higher than banks uh, secondly i think uh, uh, nbfcs will have to tighten their lending standards even by a uh, even uh, by a fire, far higher degree than banks uh, leading to far higher decline in their incremental growth rate versus banks uh, in addition to these two trends, uh, I would like to add a uh, couple of points that we have been hearing, uh, especially on the collection side. Uh, 
uh, NBFCs who have outsourced their collection uh, uh, collection to third-party agencies, uh, uh, they will likely to face huge challenges going forward. Uh, our assessment is that uh, the collection infrastructure has to be ramped up by 10x. Though the bounce rate are are increasing by two to three x uh, during COVID uh, due to COVID-19, uh, but the collection infrastructure has to be ramped up by 10x, which is a very big uh, operation management problem which these companies are likely to face. Uh, especially given these collection agencies are getting very high demand from all financial institutions. Uh, so overall, uh, these are the key trends that we think uh, will play out uh, for NBFCs, and uh, they are likely to face uh, a stiff challenge uh, due to COVID-19. Uh, the home loan segment is probably the most secure in this in this environment. Having said that, when we pay down, and then that is what clients are uh, have, will have a propensity to pay down first. However, if we pay down the uh, credit card, you know we don't use up that credit space. So the credit line is still available for us to ramp up tomorrow. Whereas if we pay down a home loan, that credit uh, opportunity or the credit line is gone forever. Will that be a, f a factor in decisioning uh, uh, with clients as they uh, think about you know uh, which which loan to pay down? You know, uh, this is a clear-cut question of mind over uh, heart. The reason why we have seen home loan being uh, First on the priority because it's an emotional uh, product, particularly the residential properties, and hence uh, the customer is uh, uh, always prioritizes that as a loan uh, repayment. But we, but if it was purely a financial uh, decision and a cash flow management uh, decision, yeah, uh, somebody might think the way you are thinking. Yeah, but more people sort of try to sort of protect their home first. First uh, one, yeah, yeah okay, right. got it. Well, thank you very much, uh, much Ashish. I think we've kept you for very long, and thanks for your patience in answering a lot of our questions. Uh, really appreciate your insights today. Sure. Pleasure, Mukul. Thanks for uh, inviting me. Uh, it was a pleasure to talk to all of you.